Good morning, everybody. How's the Greater Alton Church doing today? Good to hear. My name is Gary. In case you forgot who I was, I haven't been up here for a while. Uh, I want to welcome everybody out. Tim asked me to finish up this series or close out this series that he's been on for several weeks entitled, It's All in Your Head. Okay, how many times have you said that to someone? How many times have you thought it? How many times do people say that about you behind your back? Guys, this is, this, the title to this lesson could not be more accurate about it being in our head. Several years ago, I, I believe I bought a book by Joyce Meyer entitled The Battlefield of the Mind. I never read it, but I think I bought it. Which, there's a lot of books like that in my library. Um, but guys, I bought it because it is just the truth of the matter. What goes on in our head and in our thinking dictates what we do with our lives. How we live our lives. The Bible speaks of this very clearly in two passages in addition to this one in Philippians 4 that we've been looking at. The first one is in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. It's not on your notes or in the screen, but if you want to look it up later or jot it down, you can. And what it says is to let God change you into a new person by changing the way you think. Okay, That's the New Living Translation. The NIV, I believe, says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What is he saying is God has a plan to change you. And it starts with changing the way you think. Another passage, again, not in the notes and not on the screen, is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 4. And what it says there is we don't wage war like the world does. Instead, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. And it says that we have the power to demolish every argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now you know what that last part where it says the ability to make every thought subject or obedient to the power of Christ or to Christ? What is that implying there? Or what? Not, it's not implying. What is it saying? We have thoughts that are not obedient to Christ. Alright? And that's where the challenge is. You want to change the way you live. You want to be more obedient in your life to following Jesus. You've got to look at your head. You've got to look at what's going on inside your thought process. And guys, just another thing here that I want to really emphasize is that you are called to transformation. I don't know if you realize this or not, but when you accepted Jesus as your Lord, transformation was not an elective. Okay? It's the expectation. I've been watching a series, an old series on Netflix with my father. And most of you know my father lives with us now. He's 80 years old. He has dementia. Um, and thank God for Netflix. That's all I can say about that. 
And he, he's interested in these, in these shows about the White House, or he seems to be interested in them. He watches them and talks about them. And so I've been watching The West Wing. I never watched it when it used to come out, but I, I watch a lot of it with him, and I get to see these episodes over and over. And in one episode, I find it very funny. Uh, they, they're campaigning in Iowa for re-election, and two of the White House workers get separated from the caravan, and they've got to find their way back to Washington. You know, and they're hitching rides and trying to get to an airport so they can get on a plane. And two of these guys, in their boredom, they make this bet, uh, and they decide whoever loses the bet for the rest of the day, whenever they give their name, they have to say, and I work at the White House. Okay? And it's just, it's just a cute little thing that goes on. You see him kind of, hi, my name's Toby, and I work at the White House. You know, and it, 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 he lost the bet. He has to say that. Last week in our group, our small group, I gave the challenge or I encouraged them to to come up with their own little saying, to, to, to do something very similar to that, not with strangers, but only with, you know, our group, or they can do it with other believers, and is to come up with a saying that describes your fellowship of Jesus. You know, and it may be something very simple, I'm Gary, and I'm a follower of Jesus. Now, not to say this to strangers, okay, because the point of it is to remind ourselves and each other that our relationship is not about what we like. It's not about football. It's not about school. It's not about our careers. It's about following Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I need reminded of that. Mine that I came up with this week is I'm Gary, and I'm looking for the Spirit's leading in my life. And I can tell you, I've looked more often this week because of that. And guys, there's other ones that you can come up with. You look through the Bible, it may be, I'm Gary, and God's trying to transform me. Or I'm Gary, and I am being transformed. See, the truth of the matter is, if you are seriously following Jesus and living with Him as Lord of your life, you should be a different person today than you were a year ago. Okay? And a year from now, you should be a different person than what you are right now. That is the challenge that is before us. We are to be something different. This passage in Philippians 4, that's what it's saying. Look at what you're supposed to become and let go of what you are. And there's two passages I really want to focus in on as we close this out today. And we talk about that we are called to think about being praiseworthy. This first passage here is in Philippians 4. And this is the the last section of the verse. It says, if there's anything worthy of praise... Think continually on these things. Center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Now guys, as I look through that list that Tim's went through there in Philippians 4, 7 through 9 or 8 through 9, it talks about thinking about things that are excellent, things that are, that are good, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are true. I believe they're saying the same thing in a lot of different ways. Because you want to know what's praiseworthy? If it's true, it's praiseworthy. Okay? If it's excellent, it's praiseworthy. 
And so when you look at this whole passage, guys, this is what he's talking about. And I find it this passage in contrast to what he told us in Philippians chapter 2. And I've got, I've asked uh, Ms. Conway to put up on the verse. Okay, yeah, that's the definition. Okay. Uh, in your notes, you just have verse 14 from Philippians 2 on there. Up on the screen is verses 12 through 16. And I want to look at this, guys, because I want to just see the context of this. And we're going to draw a contrast here in a minute. But he says, my dear friends, you always obeyed when I was with you. Now that I'm away, you should obey even more. So work with fear and trembling to discover what it really means to be saved. God is working in you to make you willing and able to obey Him. There's another one, isn't it? I'm Gary, and God is working in me to make me willing. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Then you will be the pure and innocent children of God. You live among people who are crooked and evil, but you must not do anything they can say is wrong. Try to shine as lights among the people of this world as you hold firmly to the message that gives life. Then on the day when Christ returns, I can take pride in you. I can also know that my work and efforts were not useless. You see, guys, when I look at that passage, and then I look at the passage we've been looking at for the last several weeks, there is a contrast there, is there not? He's basically saying, don't be like this, instead be like this. And in this passage here, he makes it what it's really all about. And what it is, is he's contrasting some things there. He's contrasting grumbling or praising. Okay, and I know in your notes, and it's up on the screen right now, what grumbling is. What I've done is taken the Greek word that's translated grumbling, and this is the definition of it. It says it's a muttering, murmuring, low and suppressed discourse. The expression of secret and sullen discontent. Murmuring complaint. Does that not sound the opposite of thinking about things that are praiseworthy? You see, guys, I believe we live in a world where people don't understand this. We live in a world right now where people are more interested in debate than they are discussion. I mean, that is what it... Open up Facebook. <laughs> what is a debate? And let me... Let me let me give you Gary's definition of a debate. I'm right and you're wrong. And here's why. And if you have anything to say, I'm going to disagree with it. There is no discussion. There is no, hey, that's a good point. I never thought about that. How would that work? You see, guys, we, I believe, take a more grumbling position as citizens of the United States, then we do praiseworthy. You know, guys, I'll be honest with you. Racism is a problem. It still exists in America. Okay? My eyes have been open to that over the last several years um, because 
I wasn't exposed to the hardcore racism that exists. Is that fair to say? And I don't, I don't consider myself a racist. I believe I've been extremely insensitive at times. I don't believe that ever in my life I had this superiority as a white man. And an entitlement as a white man. I don't, I don't believe I ever had that. And my eyes have been open to see it really exists. One of the things that's been, uh, uh, it is real. It is real. But guys, I believe there's too much focus on where it exists and not enough acknowledgement of where it does not exist. Okay? We live in an area, I grew up in Alton, Illinois. I, I, I live and work, I live in that North Vedersville now. I still live, work in this area. And there is a contrast that exists between today and when I grew up. You know what that contrast is? When I grew up, black people did not live outside of Alton, Illinois, in this area. They did not live in East Alton. They did not live in Wood River. They did not live in Bethalto. I'm told that the Jim Crow laws, Wood River was the last city or municipality in Illinois to do away with Jim Crow laws. Truth, I assume, from what I'm told. But guys, when I drive through East Alton and Wood River and Bethalto now, I see a white man and a black woman walking together. And I see children of mixed race walking down the road. And I see... I see people being friendly, opening doors. You see, guys, what it is? There's a grumbling about racism, and then there's a praising of where it doesn't exist. And you have a choice of what we're going to focus on. And guys, this, this is the attitude we have to have as followers of Jesus. Are we going to be grumblers? Are we going to be acknowledging the good? You see, guys, I believe discussion does not take place if we only grumble. And it doesn't matter the setting. Okay, we can take this out of the political arena and out of the world and bring it into the church, can we not? Discussion needs to be more prevalent here among us than the grumbling does. You see, guys, in this passage, I believe Paul's drawing a contrast between grumbling or praising. Between people of the world or children of God. And those who are lost and those who are saved. I believe if you go back through that passage in Philippians 2, verses 2 through 16, you'll see that very clearly. So when he says that's when, then we'll really know what it's like to be saved. So guys, as we, as we close this out today, I just want to talk about some things that I believe are praiseworthy here at Greater Alton. Some things that we need to look around and acknowledge as good and as exciting. Greater Alton has had problems. Is that fair to say? Yes, we're made up of human beings. Don't want to talk about those. What I want to talk about is where we are and based on how far we've come. And so guys, four things very quickly that I want to talk about. Four areas of what I'm going to call them areas of progress. 
that are worthy of our praise and worthy of our attention. And the first one is perseverance. Perseverance. Look at this passage in James chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, For sure we, we regard as blessed those who persevered. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and have seen the result of the Lord's activity. And the Lord is exceedingly compassionate and merciful. Guys, it's saying here that blessed are those who persevered. Now, if you took Alan's class or listened to it online, you will understand that a good way to translate where the Bible says blessed, it means you're in a good place. And what he's saying is, people who have persevered are in a good place. And guys, here at Greater Alton, especially those of us who have been around for a number of years, there is real perseverance. We have not let go of our faith. My faith has been challenged. And I have persevered. I just want to tell you, I hate persevering. Okay? It's one of those places my mind needs to change. It is difficult. It is a challenge. Um, I've told you this before. Or I've said it publicly before. I don't know if I've done it from up here. But in all our, Susan and I's marriage struggles, I could never bring myself to very seriously think or consider divorce. As unhappy as I may have been, and the reason I couldn't do it, I knew that the minute I thought about it, the minute I went to an attorney, the minute I separated, I was making a statement. And that statement was, God, I don't believe you. I couldn't cross that line. And so I stubbornly stayed in my misery. (laughs) Okay, and I emphasis on me completely there. All right. It'd be very plain. But I would not let go of my faith. And ultimately, that faith got me to see how I was the problem. But guys, my point is very simple. Perseverance means I'm going to follow Jesus no matter how difficult it gets. Guys, as a church, Greater Alton has said, we are going to exist to be lights in this world. No matter how many mistakes we make, we are going to repent, we are going to change, we are going to move forward. No matter how long it takes. That is what we're saying, though we may not have said it in those words. Look at this other passage here, guys. And this is in Revelation chapter 2. This is Jesus talking to the churches. And one church in particular, this is what He says. He says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance. That's perseverance. And that you cannot put up with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles, but are not and have found them to be false. 
Guys, perseverance is a godly characteristic. And it is worthy of praise. And guys, we need to, you want to know about what's praiseworthy? Perseverance is praiseworthy. You see, guys, I say that because more often than not, in this world that we live in, we praise certain kinds of victories more than others. I was just talking with uh, Dave and Jason this morning. Their boys are on the track team over at Edwardsville. And uh, over at Edwardsville, their sports programs are that. They're a program. It's much more than just, just an event, just a sport. Uh, and they do a very good job of, of doing things. And one of the things they do is praise little things. You know, uh, Friday, Carson Bateman was on a record-setting relay team. They ran the 4 by 200 meters indoors using all four freshmen faster than any four freshmen in Edwardsville have ever done before. Okay? They are putting these things up there, guys, as encouragement to these kids. When I was a kid, we had one record. It was the school record. There was no freshman record. There was no sophomore record. There was no indoor-outdoor record. There was one record. And they're trying to recognize progress instead of perfection. Guys, that's what perseverance is. It's about progress, not perfection. Second thing, and I'm going to combine number two and four because I probably should have done this anyway. But number two is faithfulness. Okay, I'm going to give you number four. And it is good and faithful servants. If you'll notice, both passages there from those points are uh, both from Matthew 25. And guys, it was a year ago that we started... When we had our special contribution, we made a focus of being good and faithful servants. We made a decision that our goal was we wanted not to, not to, not to collect the hundred thousand dollars on one day. Our goal was that we want as individuals, you folks to be good and faithful servants. And what that, we define that as you are faithful with the resources the Lord has given you to use for Him. To use in a way that He wants done, not in the way that we want done. And guys, I don't know when we're going to do it in the future. We've been talking about having a a celebration service where we're just acknowledging some of these stories that are going on. And they're popping up. A few years ago, I said, we need more stories around here. And guys, they're coming out. They're coming out. One of the goals we had with our special contribution, as as Tim and Alan and I, was that we wanted to be more faithful as a church. And one of the areas that we wanted to be more faithful was in helping people who are in financial need. Helping the poor, if you will. And guys, the stories are coming out all over the place of people helping strangers using the resources they have to help people. I don't know if you know it, uh, Jimmy Mitchell got married here, I guess out there, uh, Friday night. Jimmy and Cassie got married. And uh, Jimmy's 
grandmother, his maternal grandmother, Angela, his, his mother, Angela, is a member here also, and the grandmother, Connie, comes, has come on, on and off through the years. But it was a month or two back, and her house burned down. Her and her husband's house burned down. They did not have insurance. They lived in an older home in Edwardsville. And it was very cool to watch and to hear about the people taking gifts to them to help them out. And what was just as cool was after all, after several people had done that, the church had the resources that we were able to give them a thousand dollars out of our Good Samaritan ministry. And I was talking to Connie over there at the wedding reception Friday night, and she says, she comes up and she's giving me a hug, and she says, I'd really grown cynical about people. And she was just saying the outpouring of, 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 of attention and, and help countered this cynicism that she had developed towards people. Guys, there's stories like this all over the place. There's stories of a married couple giving hundreds of dollars to another person in the church that's in need. Guys, there's stories of, of, a, of, a, of a single mother being bought car seats that needed them. And guys, the stories are going on and on. And it's I'm, not, I'm just telling you, as one who gets to stand before you and who was instrumental in presenting that before you, you folks are responding the way Jesus wants you to respond. And it's exciting to watch. It is exciting to watch. And guys, we need to be praising that. We need to be acknowledging that. Guys, this passage in Matthew 25, verses 35 and 36... It's under faithfulness there in your notes. This is Jesus telling a story, and He's telling about Judgment Day, when we are all going to be judged. And He's, he's, he's giving us a, a picture of faithfulness here. And this is what He says. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. See, so guys, this is God's definition of faithfulness. And that is you meet the needs of those that He puts in front of you. And guys, that is growing around here and is exciting to watch and exciting to hear about. Third thing, and we'll be done. Is that we have a renewed understanding of and focus on the Holy Spirit. We did a, Alan and I did a series a year and a half ago about the Holy Spirit. And we, we've acknowledged, I mean, it, it, it's universal again. We've acknowledged that we've not talked about, we've not recognized, we've not taken advantage of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we believe collectively as a church. And we put it out there. And guys, there's such a greater understanding. I remember friends coming to me and said, they are praying to be led by the Spirit on a daily basis. 
I just heard a story a couple weeks ago about a college student who had been in one situation they didn't like, set of circumstances, I'm assuming here they didn't like it, uh, it wasn't what they would have chosen, let me say that, and they decided that maybe the Holy Spirit set this up. And guess what? The situ- It went well. He, says, he said, it wasn't what I would have chosen, but guess what? It worked out. Now he's facing another situation. He goes, I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit figure this out. Guys, the Holy Spirit, Jesus died and went to heaven so the Holy Spirit could come to us. It is a gift. We read Acts chapter 2 and we conclude Peter's sermon where it says, Repent and be baptized and you will receive the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Which do you talk more about? Typically, we talk. I hear more talk about forgiveness of sins than I do the Holy Spirit. Guys, it is so it is so incredible. You go read your Bible, read the New Testament, and how much is the Spirit talking about? It is exciting. I love. I talk about this too much, but I'm sorry. Galatians chapter five, verses thirteen through eighteen. This is what it says: You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Guys, I encourage you to circle, underline, memorize verse 16. Where he says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not satisfy the desires of the flesh. Guys, if you're serious about following Jesus, I know without a doubt that you will struggle with sin. If you are serious about following Jesus, you will see your sin and you will ache over it. And if you're like most of us, you will struggle and struggle and struggle. But here's the key. Whatever that sin is, whatever that struggle is, it says if you will walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify that desire. That is exciting. That is exciting. And guys, the greater Alton is talking about and focusing on and understanding how the Holy Spirit works, what it does do. And not just pay attention to what we think it doesn't do. Guys, that's worthy of praise. That's worthy of praise. Guys, that's my lesson as we close out this series. I don't know where you're at. I hope above all else that you've taken the challenge to say, I want to be somebody different. These things that Paul tells us we're to think on in Philippians 4 are not merely, they're not a set of rules. 
They're a set of directions. And it's our choice whether we are going to follow them or not. And guys, I, I pray for you and I encourage you to allow God to transform you by changing the way you think. Let's pray, shall we? Father, it is great to be with your people and it is great to be with people who truly want to follow you. Father, I thank you that I can stand up here and and point to story after story and time after time of people being faithful to you. Father, I want to pray right now that those are our goals. Father, if we're going to be faithful to you, we're going to change the way we think. We're going to think about things that are true. We're going to focus on things that are pure. We're going to be recognizing things that are excellent. And we're going to be praising things that are praiseworthy. Father, I forgot to say it earlier, but anything that's praiseworthy is anything that you agree with. And Father, I pray you open our eyes to be led by your Spirit to see when we're not agreeing with you and give us the power and the strength to choose to agree with you and to praise instead of grumble. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.